What's happening? Welcome back, listeners, crew, family, friends, and newcomers to the podcast. Holy moly, we are rocking out the charts. So thank you so much for listening, watching. Make sure you also head over to the video version of the podcast. So you can go to youtube.com forward slash disco posse podcast, and you can see the whole conversation as it happened, which is super cool. All right, this is Brian Podolak from Vocodia. Brian is really beyond being a fantastic human, has an amazing radio voice. He's just somebody who's solving a really neat problem, has a background in engineering, but Vocodia is doing stuff around conversational AI. And this is not the, you ask it a question and it you know pops back a thing where you're calling into a call center. This is actually the reverse where they're having outbound conversational calls that pre-process things to help drive better conversations and really ultimately increase the flow of success for customer experience. Super cool. We dig into the tech, we dig into his own background, how they solve the problem, and just their approach as a company. Really, really neat story. Uh, definitely a must listen. So I hope you enjoy it. And by the way, these kind of amazing conversations, which I'm about to have a great announcement about, super cool, so hang tight. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, talking about great things, the folks that make this podcast happen that support us, I got to give a shout out to our fine friends who sponsor the podcast over at Veeam Software. If you want to get everything you need, whether it's on-prem, in the cloud, everything you need for your data protection needs, this is the place to go. Go to vee.am forward slash discoposse. How easy is that? Seriously, just go to vee.am forward slash discoposse. Check it out. They got lots of great tools, whether it's SaaS protection for stuff like Microsoft Teams and Office 365 and much more that's coming down the pike. Well, congratulations to Veeam on lots of really great stuff they've been doing, great new products and, and capabilities. And another thing you gotta make sure you do is protect your data in flight, which means wherever you are, make sure you run a VPN. I know, I use one. And this is not the, I don't need to protect free speech because I don't say bad things. This is literally your identity is flying back and forth. You're putting in form data, you're filling stuff, you are at risk. So use a VPN. It's just a great practice. I use ExpressVPN. I recommend you do the same. You can go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash disco posse and you can join me in the battle for protecting your privacy. All right, let's get to the good stuff. This is Brian Podolak. Hi, I'm Brian Podolak, CEO and co-founder of Vacodia here on the Disco Posse Podcast. You got a perfect radio I, voice, Brian. This is it. Like this is you make it easy for me. <laughs> I just I'm just gonna go. I'll leave, I'll come back in an hour. You'll have a great uh, great show all on your own. No, I like so, to talk. So, but I like the conversation for sure. Yeah, this would be good. Thank you very much. Yeah. This is a real honor to share a mic with you. I I really dig what you and the team are doing, and. I've had a few folks on that are sort of in the area of this idea of like conversational AI, but it traditionally is at the sort of the drift chat type of layer and being able to go farther and really see the power of what we can do in voice technology is super exciting to me and a bunch of people that I've talked to. So this is, 
we got a lot of people who are going to be sitting in. And the good thing is we're on camera, so it's not like you sent, uh, you know, a voice assistant to do this for you, Brian. But that the next time we should actually bring a, bring a third party, have uh, have some Vacodia, you know, technology helping us out with the podcast. Hundred percent. Every time I do a demo, people ask, "Is that really you doing the demo?" Yeah, happens <laughs> I mean, all the time. Well, thanks so, for having me, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, if you want to give a, a quick sort of bio and your background, Brian, for folks that are new to you, and then uh, we'll we'll jump into the Vicodia story. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, make a long story short, <laughs> about uh, 17 years ago, I was uh, relocated to Costa Rica to help manage a call center a friend of mine was running. And uh, make a long story short, within a year, he decided, I don't want it anymore. You take over. And we went from about 20 agents when I was there to about 600 at our peak. And I always said, I love the business, but if only I could do it with less people, right? And the challenge with that call center business is it's easy to find five or 10 people to do a good job. A lot of times it's harder to find 100, 150, or 200. And so between things of turnover rate, uh, training, just hiring, HR, et cetera, et cetera, we've always thought this would be a neat concept. And the genesis of this was that we had a client that we had what we called a retention campaign. Basically, people who had a recurring charge on their credit card would call us to cancel. And our job was to try to have them stay on just one more cycle. Make a long story short, you know, every call you get in, most people are very upset. Nobody says, hey, you've been charging me $40 a month. Could we work on it? It's usually, I hate you. I want to kill you, uh, these kind of things. So it's a very hard campaign. Our turnover rate was approximately 900%. So what we did is we had the agents as an idea to start their first line of, hi, my name is Brian. How are you doing today? Each agent pre-recorded it and pressed the key on their keyboard to say their opening line. Well, the agents loved it, and immediately they had like 10 or 15 of their most common lines pre-recorded on the keyboard. So now you took a job where you're getting beat up all day and made it a little bit fun and just took off a little bit off of you. And having that energy on that initial call, as you can imagine, in the morning compared to after six, seven hours of getting beat up being pre-recorded made a noticeable difference. And that was kind of the genesis, I like to say, of where we are today. Um, with our technology. So my background was running uh, large call centers for very big clients, consulting with con uh, other call centers literally worldwide. Uh, we owned our own centers in Costa Rica, Panama, the Dominican, et cetera. Uh, consulted from the Philippines, India, and a lot of other countries you probably never heard of, like Ghana, et cetera, that we actually had centers into. And it's a very, very uh, great business. It's a very big business still to this day. Um, and to be able to do that internationally was a lot of fun. So I'm very, very happy on where we are on today on the journey today. Now, this is an interesting thing. Boy, oh boy, could I use that? So I could actually I could do my podcast that way. Just have everyone just be like, hit F1. You know, that's a great yeah. question. Uh, how does that affect exactly. the, your business? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me your history, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the story of it and the reason why it's been meaningful to customers and to you know your your folks that use the platform is super important you know the raw technology is incredible like the excitement i get when i i get i i'm like a nerd so i get a nerd out. i'm like ooh, all right we're going to talk about some real real nerd bits so the good thing is we can kind of cover both bases but really the truth is for folks that most folks that are listening we can nerd out all we want but in the end, the the story of how it actually has delivered meaningful value to a human is the best part of technology. And when people hear stuff like, 
you know, voice assistant and, and AI and conversational, you know, voice, uh, you know, centers, they worry. The first thing is always like, oh yeah, you're taking away jobs. And so I'm going to just, we're going to get right to the good stuff. Let's, Let's dispel that rumor. Well, ironically, what you're talking about is true. When Jimmy and I first started having a little bit of our breakthroughs, and I'll, I'll nerd out later with you, uh, but when we started having our breakthroughs was pre-COVID. When we first got a working model, it was right before COVID was hitting. I was actually consulting in the Dominican at the time and had to come back because COVID was just starting to become an issue where and it was so, so early in the early days. I remember saying, I'm not going to get back home. <laughs> you know, So I jumped on that plane, got home, and, and people were just starting to wear masks at the airport. And uh, so we got over here, the narrative, when people heard about the technology and saw, started hearing the demos, they said, oh, you're going to replace jobs. You're going to take jobs from people. Well, now fast forward from COVID and you have what, you know, a lot of people call people who don't want to work. And where right. we're focused on is not replacing people at all. It's augmenting existing processes. It's helping fill the holes in an organization. So we definitely are not there to replace anybody. We're just trying to help fill in. And more importantly, because it is so hard to find people now, we found a lot of, of our clients and prospects we're talking to are actually settling for, settling for mediocrity. So for example, let's say you have 100 people on the phone and there's 30, you'd like to fire them today and get rid of them and they're just not working out. But your fear is you can't replace them, so you keep them on the phone. So what happens to your client now? The end user is now dealing with somebody who's probably not doing the best job for you. So right. everything on our design, not technical at all, was thought about the end customer experience first and making sure that experience was perfect. Um, a lot of people get uh, compare our technology to IVRs, you know, be, be, as they're trying to understand it. And I always like to say, I did my dad test. When my dad was able to get that call and go all the way through and had no problems, that's when we knew that we had a working product. Yeah, but we're and, definitely 100% uh, right now, we're having more and more clients come and say, listen, I need 20 more positions, 50 more positions, whatever it is. And that's been our strength right now. Yeah, I think the the thing we have to remember is what is the actual purpose of that call center experience? It's a way that you can route to somebody. And IVRs have been the death of of any hope for that for so long because it's always like, how many times do you get on? And you and I have been we've been around the industry for a while. Sue's like, hello and welcome to X call center. You're like. Yeah, I'm hitting yeah, yeah, zero yeah. button, pound, pound, pound. Sure. One, one. Like I'm doing whatever I can to exit out of the menu. Like I'm trying to trigger it to fail. So like one moment, we'll get you. You want to get uh, to a somewhere. person. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I want to fast forward to the human part because they're, they're true, false. If then else, they're not really, <laughs> they aren't guided conversational processes. And this is the gap that people don't see. So we've, we do this upfront kind of like pre-interview through the IVR, which just enrages the person to the point Correct. where then by the time they get to the human, they're like, look. <laughs> no, you bring up a good point, Eric. And that's exactly what we try to avoid. For example, um, about two months ago, I, I had an airline uh, issue. I, I couldn't change my ticket and I couldn't do something online. It was one of those errors I had to call in. Uh, and this particular airline, when I called in, it was a three-hour hold time. They didn't even have that we can call you back option. Um, so I'm on hold for an hour. I'm going around my damn hearing this music. I was getting so frustrated. Finally, somebody picked up on an overseas call center. And unfortunately, due to this COVID thing, we have a lot of people who are now working at home. So you're in a third world country, not even in a proper call center, trying to work from home. And this poor person 
let's face it, they're trying to make a living and provide, provide for their family, right? Yeah. And I'm talking to them, and all I hear is this, and I'm trying to talk to them and get my conversation out. And now I don't want to hang up and start over for the love of God and starting that process over. So my experience was horrendous. Again, the end user experience has got to be as good, if not better, than a human for a new technology to be adapted. People don't want to adapt a new technology if it's lesser quality. Ironically, they'll settle for lesser quality people before they'll settle for lesser quality technology. So we had to make sure at any time the AI got stuck. And AI in general has to be, not to geek out too much, but it has to be trained. Just like when you hire somebody, you have to train them. They have to learn. So if the AI does get stuck or it gets asked a question it doesn't know how to reply to, one of our preferred options, and we have many, one of the preferred options is, hey, you know what, Eric? That's a great question. I don't have the right answer. Let me get you a supervisor and immediately get them to a human. So it asks a question one time. If it doesn't know or if it's stuck, immediately transfers. So when right. we first do an implementation, there might be a little more transfers in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the beginning as the AI learns. But one of the ways that we speed that up and, again, to get immediate better customer experience, because, again, nobody wants to implement an AI and have it learn with real customers, is we just upload 500, maybe 1,000 recordings of agents on the phone to help train the models. So we basically take three to six months of training, and we can do it in a matter of days now through our AI modeling process. And that makes that initial rollout to give that end user customer a much better experience than any IVR, IVR type technology that's out there. Yeah. And this is really the, the differentiator that we've got with the technology available to us now. Uh, it's much more both democratized as far as availability and then commoditized in that it's being broadly used. So then the pricing is no longer this, you know, real sort of platinum pricing for a coal experience. Like you're able to now leverage backend technologies that are continuing to evolve now, even beyond before, where you'd be like, Brian and his team are developing their own machine learning. They bought a data yeah. center, they filled it with stuff, they're teaching yeah. it. You know, like you can leverage other technologies that have broad access to scalable architectures. So, and then that lets you be, you know, your business now can empower the person who. God bless that poor call center person or a call center manager or even a CIO for a company that has a significant call center presence. They shouldn't have to care about the technology that could do something for them. They should be buying services. Correct, correct. And one of the things that we thought would be our key to, so we had a couple of challenges. In the beginning is, especially if you're doing an outbound pre-sales call. So let's just say you filled out a lead to buy a product or service. You actually want somebody to call you back and actually speak to them about that product or service. So when that when you get that call back, you want to be assisted and make sure you get routed or, or have the right uh, information uh, sent to you. So, for example, you're looking for a quote on health insurance. You know, an agent's going to call back, verify if you're under 65 or under 65 to see if you need a Medicare package or one of the Obamacare packages. And then there might be some budget restraints. So there's a lot of questions. We could have a true conversation. And what's the great thing about it is this. When we first started doing this, we had latency issues. Now, if you do an inbound call to a bank and you lost your credit card and they say, okay, let me pull up your, your information on the system, we're used to delays. Right. So you don't notice a latency in a conversation on an inbound or an inbound customer service type call at all or very little. But outbound sales, if I say, hey, how are you doing today? And you say, I'm fine. And it takes me four seconds to reply to that. 
it just kills the conversation. So on the technology side, we developed our own proprietary NLP, which is the brain of an AI. And it's the only AI we know that's been 100% trained only with call center sales conversations. So that was all of the training we gave to it. Then the secondary thing was getting that latency down. So now we're literally about the 20th of a blink of an eye or about five milliseconds per response. But then we connected to a VoIP switch. Well, now VoIP has its own set. So right. we're very fortunate. We were able to get Omer Khan, uh, our, our, our CTO, who came on and said, listen, I'm not going to work for a startup. I hate startups, but I'll be a consultant with you. And four months later, I wore him down. He's now our CTO. And he developed a VoIP switch optimized for AI, not just our technology, but AI in general. And our response rate on the phone calls is, is just extremely quick. We don't have, I don't want to say no latency, but it's basically almost immeasurable. You cannot even hear it. In fact, the last recording I sent out, Eric, Somebody thought I edited it. It was that fast, you know? So we actually do wow, live calls yeah. the show, yeah. But the, as you said, go back to your other point, now you have the customer shouldn't be worrying about latency, shouldn't be caring about void switches. They want to implement this and get their customers sorted and helped. One of the other great things about the AI is it doesn't want to hang out and be your friend. So for example, Eric, you call in, you're just like, I just need a health insurance quote. I'm, I'm going to use health insurance a lot because it was a, we just got out of open enrollment. So you're going to call in and I go, Eric, where are you from? And you say, I'm from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I go, oh my gosh, I have a brother in Waxman. And I start talking to you about a restaurant down the street and you're probably being polite, but you want to get to the point, right? Yeah. So what happens is one of the stats that people look at in a call center is what's the average time it takes for an agent to handle a call? And let's just say you have an average of, let's say five minutes. So many times when we implement that number goes down by 30% because we're staying on script, we're getting to the point. And you as a customer now are getting what you want quickly. You're not hanging out. You're not having all the blah, blah. You're getting to the point. Customer experience is happier. We're spending less time on the phone, getting more transfers to wherever the sales reps are. So, and the great thing about it is it is a turnkey solution. We're not a framework. So you literally just give us data. We click some buttons and a week later, you can have AI up and running. It doesn't require a forklift upgrade into your team. Uh, you know, it doesn't require a whole bunch of any hardware. It's literally, give us a phone number to send calls to, we handle the rest. So in answering your questions and jumping around a bit, it's kind of where we are today, the first true turnkey implementation of AI that people can get up financially risk-free because we don't let our clients pay us a penny until it's implemented and turned on. If they're not happy with the results or it doesn't meet those expectations, they don't owe us a dime. And that's how we're able wow. to get our foot in the door as a young startup. Uh, we're very confident in our skills. Of course, there's a lot of uh, understanding a client's you know, scope of work and requirements before we do that, but we've only lost one client thus far since we started. Amazing, amazing. Ask and me, and really, ask, me, ask me why I lost them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that's one part. Yeah. Now, yeah. when you say you've lost one that you've you've already laid the groundwork that I gotta ask now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the one client we lost was that uh, our AI was getting them so many transfers. And as, as a startup and like every company, you have your requirements of what you need to do business. Our requirement is we require you think of 10 physical agents on the phone. So 10 licenses of our software is basically like having 10 people on the phone. Right. Virtual agents, if you will. Well, those 10 agent minimums were, were making so many transfers go into their call center, they couldn't handle them all. So they had to pause us until they could ramp up more to be able to handle the amount of calls we were sending them. And that is a, it's an Eli Goldratt, you know, problem of, of throughput and the theory of constraints that was highlighted. So yeah, that was just yeah. purely market timing with that customer, which is really 100%. good. That, yeah. That's yeah. uh, it's the right reason to actually step back too. So as a as a business owner, right, you have to 
to have the respect to be able to share that story and recognize where it wasn't the fit inevitably Absolutely. once once they're ready uh who, who do you think they're going to come back to right they're not going to try and ramp up this front line again they're going to say let me get my my tier two team really ramped and ready to go and then let's let's put front line and, and have it be that better experience because it's funny when you talk about call duration so i've worked in insurance companies for a long time in technology and but became very familiar with the business and the call center business side of it was really amazing to watch because it was it's a tight ship they're they're managed differently it was it was a little hard to watch sometimes because kind of the metrics that they've got to get it's it, they have heroic numbers that they have to hit consistently and like you said 100%. you get these these conversations the point where going into a chat where someone is from and getting them happily engaged is tier three type of level when that should happen because tier one should be like i just want to get to my answer right tier two is either they got to the answer and they need a little more detail or they're really irked and they need a human so then you're handling them tier three is okay i'm i'm gonna need my manager and like mm -hmm. we all know that i'm gonna have to get my manager on the lines moment yeah. like yeah they're now like hostage negotiators that's not a call center <laughs> anymore <laughs> no no you're right yeah. that's like chris voss suddenly like what do you think that i can do about that like you're right, right, you're, yeah, you're bringing exactly. the guy on that's got the late night dj voice and we're gonna yeah, talk yeah. about your problem <laughs> good old johnny fever right from back in the day yeah yeah, our, uh, and our yeah and our technology does great on the tier one tier two tier three i don't think we're there today um, uh, and of course, we always look at competitors and try to learn from everybody and you have a lot of conversations. But I think that there's a point where people do know they're talking to a quote unquote bot or an AI system. And right. there's nothing more comforting than talking to a human person, right? As much as AI is great and can help us and definitely augment our processes. And for example, if I'm a customer, and I just want to, hey, I'm checking on a tracking number. I'm checking on a refund status. I got a, a credit card loss, these kind of things. Whether I'm speaking to an AI in person, I care about, did it get done? Did it get done effective? And at the end of the day, do I, do I feel good after I hung up that phone call? Hey, you know what? I lost my card. It's a horrible situation, but I called and hung up. Um, I actually just uh, replaced my debit card um, two days ago. And I called in and guess what I had to do? I had to type in my number, you know, push, you know, pushing the buttons on the phone, had to push in this numbers. And it was such a frustrating experience. I mean, it, and again, you already have a lost card. It's already a little frustrating. And now you have to go through a process and it's not thought of, hey, how do we, you know, this poor customer just went through something. It's bottom line from a bank is, how do we not have to speak to this person and make them go through the process and hitting the, the numbers on your phone, which is called the DTMFs. It's just, it's not a happy experience. And especially if you mistype or hit two at a time, you got to start over. It's just, it's just not exciting. And then you hit it in and have it repeated to you. So there's so many little things in a customer service or sales organization that not only is it our AI to try to make that process better, it's the experience that I have and other people in our company of working for centers for 15 or 20 years that's making this technology work. So it's funny in our beginning, people are like, well, you're a tech company that happens to do, and that's a big thing in tech companies, right? You're a tech company that does sales. You're a tech company that does health insurance. You're a tech company that does this. We started off with that way. I said, you know what? No, we're, we really are sales first. We're using the technology there, but every piece of technology we've developed today in, in our product roadmap over the last next 12 months is all about helping a sales process. Now, after I do a sale, 
I want to keep that customer. So customer service is a piece, but it all started with that sale to a client. You know, you used to my ser- use my service, Eric, but now you don't anymore. Well, why not? Let me reach out to you six months later. Eric, you know, can I do a quick survey with you? Can I, can I get you to come back, right? And a lot of times we're talking to clients who are like, man, I want to do that, but it costs too much. But now with AI, we have a service that maybe we weren't even doing before that makes that customer happier. Wouldn't you be happy if somebody that a business that you're working with actually called and said, hey, here's our product roadmap. What product, what, what, what on the roadmap do you want to see? What's the feature you want to see? What's the KPI we should be doing a better job on that's important to you? You talk to 10 clients and you'll have some basic KPIs that are the same, but you have a lot of that are very industry specific and or customer specific. Hey, this is the KPI I care about. And then think about in the organization, you know, what's a CFO's KPI compared to, let's say, a call center manager's KPIs they want to mount it. So it's very exciting because you're always hearing different points of view. Um, and a lot of times everybody's correct. And I love it because even though I think we do a great job and we are doing a great job, we're also ourselves learning on a daily basis. And that's what makes it so exciting to be in this business. Well, to carry through what you just described, this is this is interesting because you're outcome driven as any you know company is whether they know it or not and Absolutely. the outcome is often you know some measurable kpi like it could be average call duration reduction by 30% that's fantastic right that's obviously that is a but in that's actually a side effect of what you're doing because your outcome is actually empowering the sales flow to generate business and it's this weird sort of intangible thing that has a lot of tangible measurements along the way, but because you're, that is your outcome, you're building the product to drive the business there versus drive call duration down. Correct. Correct. And again, some of these things happen without us even focusing on, for example, getting that average uh, handling time of a call, you know, from five minutes to three minutes means we could handle more calls per day, more calls per hour per agent. But the other great thing, because we are AI and we don't have physical bodies in the, in the, uh, in the seats, uh, for example, my earlier experience with that airline with a two or three hour call time, nobody wants their customers to wait even an hour on the phone. You know, Usually right. two minutes or three minutes is kind of, you know, every business is different. But here, think about this with AI. If you said, hey, Brian, I know we have 200 agents on standby, but can we get to 1,000? It takes us about an hour and we can ramp up to have that 1,000 agents. Uh, just the way our, our VoIP works. Or maybe we need to, better yet, hey, listen, the last two weeks of the year are dead for us. Can we just pause? And the answer is yes. Or Eric, wow, how about okay. this? Let's say you had the best, most expensive data of all time. And you realize the only, and we just actually had um, this with the client who uh, we lost. We found out with their, their very good data that they purchased, that there was, and we found this out within a couple of weeks. Just to back up and jump around a bit, AI does learn as it goes, but you can't expect changes by minute or even every half hour. You need a lot of data to make decisions. And there's a right. lot of, you know, um, a lot of AI sales is education. You know, it's not a flying unicorn. Here's where, where it can do today. So uh, going back to that point is, let's say I had those agents and I wanted to really optimize my data. Well, with this client, we realized there was a two hour group here, then no calls for two hours made more sense then another two hours. So it's basically three two-hour shifts with an hour or two in between that optimize their data. So not, let's say, quote, unquote, burning leads, calling when we knew I had the best results. And where else are you going to be able to hire people for two hours, send them home for two hours, come back for two? Like, no one's going to work a split shift like that. Yeah. And more importantly now, the customer's getting the call when they're able to talk. And so, again, customer experience went up. 
and then the company made money. And I find that if we look at that customer experience first and really care about a client, the money usually works itself out. It really, really does. And I think the, this is the other thing that people need to know too, right? This idea of outbound conversational voice AI is very different than inbound. Like inbound has a, you know, more measurable patterns, more specific use cases. There's probably a lot of tools that they're trying to like measure data that's doing post-call recording analysis, like capturing sentiment analysis, doing certain things like that. Sure, sure. Tying it into customer record. There's certain things, like there's stuff that's very much about enhancing the data and customer knowledge, not the experience, but the knowledge within the trust that they can use that knowledge through the customer record to empower a call center rep or an agent or a sales rep to then have follow-up, which will be more meaningful versus you're literally, I'm going to go find people and I'm using conversational voice, you know, AI to do this so that then when they're at this, we empower people to take in this knowledge and then you can do the handoff right back. Like, let's, let me grab uh, someone who can take care of this uh, question you've got, right? And then immediately hand to a person that they're warm, they're nurtured, they're, engaged that's that's awesome yeah one of the other neat things we do eric because we're a turnkey solution we're not just saying hey we're the ai brain so anything that's telco or voip related go talk to your vendor we've built this all in one package so now again making sure that the customer experience is best regardless of ai but because we control this technology i could do things like this hey eric i see you're calling back in last time you spoke to brian would you like to speak to him again I don't need AI to do that, but I need to handle it at the switch, right? Yeah. Um, but we've also had some pretty funny experiences. Um, I had this great message from uh, basically when we first developed this, I said, yeah, it would be great. Let's go help a whole bunch of hedge funds uh, and, and, and VCs and all. And they're out there trying to raise money to be able to, to fund companies. Let's use our technology to help them open accounts to raise money to, to then invest in us. So one of the first companies we were trying it with, he sent me a message and I love it. I saw it on WhatsApp. It's, it's screenshotted on my LinkedIn. Um, but basically, he said, hey, um, I missed a call. I was on another line. I called the individual back, and he said he wanted to speak to the other guy. I explained to him that was AI. <laughs> he said, no, I want to talk to the AI instead. So the guy got so frustrated, unfortunately, not understanding it was AI, hung up on him. And uh, so we've had some interesting stories as we've gone, but just shows how conversational and human-like that this experience is. And remember, artificial intelligence all it is is a way for computers to think and act like a human. That's what we're trying to do. And of course, Eric, you mentioned earlier, and I love those if-then-else statements. I always see the, that's all AI is if-then-else statements. And I could kind of make that argument to a degree, but it is a little more than that. It's really understanding interactions with people to make them feel comfortable. So as great as the technology is, the scripting of it and how we implement it is just so, so important. Yeah, the last thing you want is like, hey, we've got this, you know, beautiful framework that you can do and you've got to learn now, you know, VML, some new markup language, some new proprietary thing or God help you, it's written in JSON or some bizarro, yeah. you know, coder unfriendly language. So you basically need to become a coder and you need to hire a team of experts. Like I love yeah. the turnkey approach because that's really, I've looked at a few different ways of, even like rudimentary, like call flow handling for for stuff. I use a product called Go High Level, and mm -hmm. and it's very good at at SMS, 
based capture and it routes it to your phone. So like I can enter into a text conversation pretty quickly and I can build some very simple upfront stuff. Right. Nothing more than that, right? However, right. there's lots of other third-party things that are like, we can take that call, that initial SMS, and then we can route it and we can add more knowledge to it. But then I've got to train this bloody thing, integrate it with my tool, and now I own the relationship between these two techs and I own the programming of it. So I just don't, I would never go down the road with it. It's just not in my best interest to you know spend the effort there because the ROI for me is is not there. You know, but if it was out of the box, I'd be like, yeah. let me give it a whirl. <laughs> and that's the fear of a new technology. What's the cost to learn it? Uh, what's yeah. the cost to understand it? What's the cost to implement it? And then if it doesn't work, I just wasted time and money. Uh, and on top of it, that's what that's what stops a lot of technology going forward. Or the or when they hear of AI that's voice based, like first they think of an IVR or you know, I'm sure you probably thought of this too, the all auto warranty calls that we get, which are actually robocalls, right? So oh, yeah. there's a lot of confusion on a new technology. And it's it's very common for us when we learn a new technology, you want to compare it to something you know just to help make it understand better. So when we were first uh, going down this path, kind of going back to what you were talking about there, these are some of the challenges we had. So I said, like, we've got to be able to be turnkey. We've literally got, and uh, I've made, um, been very successful in the past of saying, I'm your neck to grab. I'm, don't, I'm not going to finger point. So you're going to give me everything after we've done our needs analysis, realize where you are, we can help you. We're going to take it from you. I don't want to talk to your tech guys outside of getting me recordings I need, get me a couple of phone numbers to transfer calls to. That's it. And then we handle it all. You've probably also seen like little things, again, outside of AI that we've had to overcome. I'm sure you've gotten phone calls before that say scam likely on them, right? Yeah. So the DID management and rotation and, and all of that, especially when we're, you know, you're doing the good things and you're doing things right, but somebody spoofed your number from an offshore call center or one of these robo-dialers, now's a problem for you. So when I say turnkey, we handle the caller IDs, the reputation management of those caller IDs, the, uh, routing the calls correctly based on things like that. We are implementing things such as voice print signatures and all, and all of it to make that customer experience again better. Again, if I get a phone call, get to the point, tell me what I want and leave me alone, right? Nowadays, people's yeah. attention spans are, are shorter and we want to be able to encourage that to be as quick and as efficient and accurate as possible. I always think of, uh, if you ever seen the scene, it's from a movie called Boiler Room and uh, Giovanni Ribisi, like he gets the phone call from, it's like Wall Street Journal or New York yeah. Times, whatever, like, good morning, sir. Would you like to, you know, get our, you know? And yeah. he's like, no, thanks. And, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the guy's like, he goes, okay, thanks for your time. Goes, what, that's it? And yeah. he's like, you, what you gonna do is like, and he like walks it through this whole thing. He's like, and he gets all fired up. He's like, yeah. And he goes, so do you want your subscription? He goes, hell no. And he hangs up. <laughs> that was great. That the disengaged outbound call is worse than not getting the call. 100%. Let me tell you, Eric, I can't tell you how many times, just over the last few months, that I've been interested in a product or service or maybe a JV I've seen as an opportunity for a company where I filled out a lead on a website and a week or two goes by, I sometimes don't even get an email acknowledgement. So sometimes I'm like, well, I got a little thank you. And by the way, a little side note, I hate, I always hate when I fill out a form, I just get a thank you. So even on our website, you'll notice if you fill out the form, there's a video pops up from Jimmy and I saying, thank you for your time, right? Yeah. And acknowledging people when they give you something to say thank you. And so sometimes during our AI process, if we've even taken existing processes from companies, we've been able to consult, and just try to make that process better so that the AI comes out that much better. So for example, if I called you and I said, by the way, you know, how old are you? Are you 65 or under? And let's say you say you're over 65. 
a lot of people go, okay, and they start going, they keep going down the script, didn't acknowledge that they just got this information. How old are you? I'm 65. Okay, thank you for that. You know, just yeah. little pieces of being polite outside of being conversational AI on the technology, but just sometimes, you know, how to be a good listener, you know, how to treat people with respect makes that experience better. And that's outside of the technology, but it complements it very well. Is there, is there a customer or a type of business that you're, that you won't sort of begin with because of whether it's complexity or sector business or like risk profile because of that engagement on, is there anything that you have to watch out for uh, in, in your line? Well, we're a very ethical company. So of course, any business that's, shall we say, not in an ethical or, or sustainable, scalable model is something we're not gonna work with. Um, we've actually had some very interesting requests from you know, international. So for example, in Europe, where online sports betting and gaming, there is no regulations here in the US is. If right. I provide my technology to Europe, what happens, right? So there are some legal things that we need to uh, kind of ferret out and see how we're gonna go. Um, what our typical engagement is, is I always like to believe in a quick win, right? There's nothing worse if you've ever done a long technology upgrade and you start today and six months later and you're waiting, you're waiting, people lose, you know, they're like, forget about it. They're not as excited about it. The support behind it's not like the beginning. So I always like to get what I call a quick win. So our typical engagement, we'll say, hey, listen, if you're doing an outbound sales process, let's not do the entire sales process. What are the three to five questions we need to do to qualify somebody and now transfer it to a live agent so that they can It'd be actually more time uh, pitching and selling instead of prospecting. So let's do that first. Now, phase two, let's ask two or three more questions. And maybe steps four, five, and six, now let's integrate to your CRM. Let's integrate to your payment processor. But let's try to get a quick win so that within 30 days of engaging us, you have something up and running and you're starting to see a measurable result. Uh, for the nerdy geekies out there, think about Agile, right? That whole framework, the manifesto. Yeah. How many times have people like, people have been working on my system six months, I see nothing different. All of a sudden, you had a red button that took 10 minutes, and wow, look how great the system is now, right? So sometimes it's not what's best technology-wise. It's getting the customer. That's where the business and sales side comes before the technology. That's why, again, like I say, we're a sales company first, is let's get a quick win within 30 days of being engaged so you can turn this thing on, see that it's making a difference to your organization, to your customers, and then over the next six months or a year, this will evolve, kind of like any business, right? But the nice thing is once we get that first process in, and set up, now we could start talking about others. And it's also, outside of getting those quick wins, a lot of times during that implementation, because it was just a small piece, people understand the technology better. So for example, if you've ever bought a car that you spec'd out online, or you ever had a house built from scratch, almost invariably somebody say, well, if I had to do it over again, I would have changed this or done that differently. So yeah. trying to plan a full AI implementation of business could be very uh, time consuming. At the end, people go, I wish I knew this. So by doing a small, quick implementation, getting something up and running, and now understanding gives a better idea of how we can build this going forward so we don't have to go back and redo things. How do you handle uh, sort of dialect accenting? Uh, there's a lot of linguistic challenges, especially when you have global audiences, you're serving multiple geos. I mean, some people even make fun of me because I'm, I speak Canadian, not English, right? I still say <laughs> process and project instead of yeah. the proper way, as I'm continually reminded. Uh, yeah. know, my wife is American. Our poor kids are going to be mm. like just so broken. They're going to be, they're going to sound half from New Jersey and half from Toronto. And it's going to be a, sure. a really strange mix. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. 
Well, yeah, it's a great point. Like as we're so right now, we're really focused on English. And um, however, if you do have that, say a thick Creole accent, or if you ever met somebody from Louisiana and, and you love the accent, but if they get going quickly, I'm like, what did they say, right? Uh, my wife is Costa Rican. The first time we went to the Bahamas, which we had a lovely time. The people are lovely. We went to the little shops there, you know, get little knickknacks for the family. My wife's like, I, what language is that? I'm like, that's English, right? Yeah. So even though we heard it and understand it, she had a hard time. So the bottom line is the AI, which is basically using speech to text. So if you use your phone and you're talking to it or using, uh, you know, a voice-based type searches, as accurate as that is, is we're, we're very accurate on it. Now, that's the only piece of our technology that's not proprietary, by the way, is the STT. We use a, um, we're using a product by IBM's Watson, by the way, and a great product. Um, but it took us a long time to figure that out. But it does learn and get better over time. And it's really interesting is more than the accents are the issue, Eric, is like when we get to a vertical, for example, medical, we uh, have all these yeah, different yeah. products, you know, <clears throat> or medical terminology. That's where a lot of times training those models ahead of time is just so important. Again, and having that 500 to 1,000 recordings that we can help train the models makes those implementations much more efficient. Um, but the accents we do pretty good with, we are, we are trying to work on where the outbound AIs more match the user's accent, but that's kind of hard on an outbound sales call because you got to have something kind of pre-selected, so to speak. Um, but yeah, over time, but those, over time, we are getting uh, very cool. Yeah, those things of like the nuances of an industry and like even just we have the curse of knowledge as humans, right? So we throw acronyms around, and the you know, the difference between an IVR and an IV drip are fundamental, right? But IV could have multiple meanings, right? There's like lots of if you go from one place to another, even the same acronym can be yeah. meaningfully different between industries and you have to be able to adapt to that. So that's that's a unique challenge of of doing this stuff. So uh, you're, you folks yeah. are doing pretty cool things. Well, one of the things what we've done is, and, and, and Jimmy, who's my partner, and again, there's no Vakoti without Jimmy. It's amazing the, the brain he has and how he came up with this. So we started going down and you're talking about the acronyms. And by the way, why is acronym such a long word? But I digress. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear it on a call, you write it down to look it up and you, you go to Google to search it and you'll see 20 different meanings for it. So, for example, we call actually our um, AI a DISA, which is a digital intelligence sales agent. Well, DISA has already been taken by the military and, and a whole bunch of other people. So DISA itself had a lot of has a lot of different meanings besides what we use it for. And so it's really hard to come up with an acronym that probably nobody has used before. Uh, which is which is very interesting. The yeah, other thing, the is biggest, the best to, thing you can have is that when you do, when you Google it, as long as Urban Dictionary isn't the first response, you're in good exactly. shape. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's probably a different type of podcast. I would go into that further with you, but yes, yeah, so we've had those before. Um, the other nice thing, what we do is we try to, um, we, even though we have our main conversational model. So think about it this way conceptually: in any call center outbound campaign in the world, you're going to have common rebuttals when I call you. Who is this? Why are you calling me? How'd you get my information? You know, they'll say the top 10. I'm not interested, right? Right off the bat. And you have these top 10. But again, as you talk about industry or vertical specific, like if we're in legal or we're in home services or, or whatever, you're going to have different acronyms and different learning. So even though we have our base model for, let's say, general conversation, we also have our models per vertical that get better and better. So as a company, we decided we can't be in every vertical at the same time because we have too many models we're trying to train, right? So We've tried to be within three to five verticals tops at a time. And until those are up and running 100%, we don't want to go outbound to other verticals just because we know what time it takes for that model to be trained. But the great thing is once we have, let's say, a health insurance type client set up and running, we now have a model trained. 
that allows us to go after other insurance type products, whether it's wellness right. checkups from a doctor's office, appointment verification for a hospital, health insurance quotes, benefits uh, verification, you know, uh, which is a huge call. You know how many doctors call a health insurance company just to verify benefits? Last time, you, and again, you're in Canada, you don't have this issue, but uh, as Americans, uh, we've already been to a doctor. How many, in fact, I just set an appointment where they, I already had a fax in there, or, you know, they said fax, which was great in this day. I took a picture, sent in a copy of my insurance card so they could call in to verify benefits. How is it in 2022 <laughs> that people have to call in to verify benefits? Because you're calling yeah. into somebody's looking at a screen. You know, but however, that's another problem we can help with. Yeah. Even when you get like interagency stuff that always drives me a little bit nutty when you think of like the government work, you know, and, the, and like I used to always get it when I would like fly. And you have to be careful how cheeky you get with those, you know, the folks at TSA, because they, they have to be a little bit more bland. But I used, they would say, like, uh, when was the last time that you crossed the border? And I'd be like, be honest, I fly a lot and I mm -hmm. I can't remember. And I, I you're you're probably looking at the date right now. So whatever that is, it's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was right? about yeah. three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's like that data is out there. Like this is we shouldn't have to have this weird handoffs and, and being able to introduce it, you know, capture this data and then feed it to a system that then can be build knowledge for a human to take it up from there is like that's the next Goldilocks zone as far as I'm concerned 100%. about where conversational AI needs to go. It's not just in treating it as a one and done, but taking that knowledge and then taking it further into enhancing the overall customer experience. And ultimately, you know, even though it's, you know, we're talking about like enhancing the sales flow and business flow, you do that by enhancing yeah. the customer experience. Uh, yeah. So that ultimately is always the, the, the true initial goal. The end goal is that what does that generate? Yeah, more sales, more you know, happy customers, more post sales, customer success opportunities, stuff like that. Yeah, I always like I always like to say our, our technology is here to help you sleep well at night, Mister Mister Company Owner. You know, so when you're like, hey, if I get ten thousand more sales this month, I need to hire another two thousand customer service agents or whatever the numbers are. Well, now guess what? With AI, we could just go ahead and ramp it up. Or if you have, you're a seasonal business, hey, I sell flowers, and during Mother's Day, wow, my business goes crazy. So maybe I need 5,000 DSAs, but after Mother's Day, I only need 50. Well, we, you know, again, I think COVID taught us all, you gotta be flexible in business. And so we allow that in our agreements, like here's your minimum, which could be like 10. You go up to 5,000, down to 500, and go up and down as you need on even a daily basis. Let's just say you're having one of those days that's just so slow. But going back to your, the, the data, Eric, which I think is an important point, a lot of times when we've talked with AI, people are talking about, okay, well, if you know you're calling Louisiana, you can have a different accent. and and they think about things like this, but it surprises me how many times external factors aren't considered in making a successful contact to a client. That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to get somebody on the phone to request information or answer their call if they have a customer service issue. So we've tied in external factors. So for example, what's the weather? You know, if Oklahoma just had a tornado, should we be calling people in Oklahoma? Right. right. Uh, however, if a Super Bowl won, there's <laughs> a Super Bowl here. This is football for you, Mr. Eric, not hockey. Sorry about that. That's right. But yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that do we, we want to call? <laughs> yeah. Well, the week where that team won, it's been psychologically proven when a sports team wins, people in that area that are sports fanatics spend more money. If their team loses, they spend less. Well, 
Where should I not be calling and possibly calling this week as an example? So there's yeah, so want to be avoiding data. Cincinnati for a sales calls for the next 100%. 100%. But that's what I'm saying. There's so much data out there. Sometimes you don't even know what to look at. And we've also assisted clients non-AI related with, again, because we control all the technology. So for example, we had a home security company and their product or their, their service really is based on your credit score. Well, there's no way through public information can I get an accurate credit score. It just can't do it, right? Because of privacy, et cetera, which is a good thing. However, there's a lot of factors I can get from when you called in to give me an idea of your credit. So for example, if you call me in on your AT&T cell phone, I said, well, if you have an AT&T plan, you probably had to have halfway decent credit to get that phone compared to a prepaid service where maybe the credit's not as high. And so maybe right. we need to send them to a different department, you know, a homeowner compared to a renter, things of that sort. So there's like 800 data points we have thus far. And I think we can get more to, again, improve that customer service to help them get there and also help business owners make better decisions on who their customers really are. Um, and they're And by the way, I was also much more wrong than I am right. So I was just like looking at the data and we have so much data to that for the first time you couldn't get. Another great example is if you ask me what color is the sky, and I said blue. Well, does that help the client better than saying dark blue, light blue, depends on the weather. So we could have all these different responses, think A-B testing on the web, but through, our AI system to over time to figure out which are the better results for each client. And that's where it just gets um, uh, so much uh, fun and exciting. And one last point, while we were developing this and, and we were going through the different verticals, et cetera, we realized that the reason we had to develop our NLP was that the NLPs that are out there all have a similar way that they process a conversation or, or the text. And, and you've probably seen it yourself, even on web-based chats, you're texting and you hit enter, and you see it takes like a minute or you know t tens of seconds yeah. to come back. And we, we didn't have that luxury. So we had to figure out fast. So what Jimmy and I realized is that the way that NLPs process information, in our opinion, was an incomplete process. So we've come up with our own process and our own NLP of how we process a conversation. And to my knowledge, it's not done this way. We've looked at it. We've done patent searches, et cetera. We're still trying to find the right patent attorney to help us get that one done because it's such a unique process. But this system has made it so much faster and so much more efficient on how it processes the data that the conversations are much more rapid and much more accurate. Um, there was examples, for example, if I said, where are you located? Or I said, where did you get my information? You know, there's a lot of products out there here to see the word where and I say, oh, Boca Raton as an example. When No, that wasn't the intent of that sentence, right? As a yeah. human, we got it right away, you know? Um, other things, like if I asked, are you over 65? And you say, I will be next week, or I just had my birthday. Well, that wasn't a yes or no, right? What, what did you mean by saying that? So we've in this NLP that we've created to be much more conversational, we took into consideration a lot more. And that's why I think it took us an extra year to get to where we are today, but I'm glad we did because we have such an amazing product and service today. And more importantly, even though that's great, we're meeting so many other companies that are trying to implement AI that have other ideas and thoughts that they have that's helped make us our product or service better. But at the same time, those conversations we have with other owners uh, has just been exciting too. So it's, it's, and every 90 days, right? Not, you know, just so many neat things happen in the industry that it's exciting. I mean, we really are still at the very beginning of AI. We're definitely not halfway through, regardless of what you see online. Sure, the term yeah. AI is thrown around everywhere. Everybody's AI now. And sometimes they just add extra fields. And I'm like, adding extra fields to a CRM, sorry, Mr. SF out of San Francisco there, that does not add AI to me. Help me make my business better. Help me be more productive, quicker. Don't make me analyze the data. Just give me the answers. And that's kind of what our approach was. Yeah. Well, and that 
thing around latency in the discussion. I've even had this, so just even funny, a visual audio matching is a real challenge that I bumped into early on. I actually changed platforms and changed some other hardware that I use for the for the podcast because I was using like a really good streaming box that would go in and then I would have my USB microphones. So I had a really good microphone and all this stuff. And it was like a 200 millisecond latency from the audio channel, which isn't, it wasn't noticeable, like wasn't obviously noticeable, but it was enough that people, like it kind of makes you squint a bit when you're looking at someone talking and their voice sure. and their audio in their mouth are not quite on, but they're not off. Right. So it, it just, it takes you out of the moment. And when we get same thing with the conversation, it, when you hear a conversation with somebody and it sounds like they're, you know, the CNN person calling a guy in Kabul going, yes, yeah, we're on the ground here and it's really good. Yeah. Like really fast paced <laughs> conversation. They've got a great answer. And yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> great, Jeff. Thank you very much. You know, like when you hear those gaps, yeah, it, it, it makes it mechanized and it removes your ability to say, so you find yourself kind of like, like, come on, like leaning into and, and it changes your mood about the conversation at that point. A hundred percent. Now you're ang anxious. You're, you're yeah. what that's going on. You're, you're, it's unknown because it's not natural, right? It's not conversational. It's not human-like. And again, AI one more time is how a computer thinks and acts like a human. That's the basics, what we're talking about. So a human's not going to take something and go, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I'm sorry, you know, which is gets annoying. You know, what would happen if you were really, if you asked me a question, I didn't know the answer. I'm going to say, I don't know, let me get on Google. Or I said, let me call Bob and find out. And which Rob yeah. was saying that? Hey, you know what? I don't know the answer, but Eric, I don't want to get you wrong information. Give me a minute. And most people will go, okay. So if our AI gets stuck and has to transfer it, that's good because Eric got the information he needed as quickly as possible and, and, and didn't have to worry about, oh, well, I don't care about this person having the wrong answer. I've had that case where I call somebody and I ask them a question and I can tell they don't know. They're like, hmm, you know what? I'm not really sure. I think we had somebody a couple of months ago that had this. I'm trying to remember. I'm like, I just want the answer, right? Yeah, yeah. A little, yeah, yeah. Or, or when you, how many times have you had a talk and they're looking something up on the screen and all of a sudden you go, you know, what color is the sky? And hmm, what are they doing? They're looking it up and you don't even know. I, have you ever been on a call and you're like, are you still there? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Am I still on the call? Right? Because again, it's it's uncomfortable. It's and and now when that you're in an uncomfortable, anxious situation, how how much did your your value drop of that company you're working with? What's the chance of you doing business with them? Because that's an extra piece of uncertainty and doubt. So we want to remove all of that and make it as smooth as possible. But the the challenge we often find too is when if you're experienced at calling a call center you're actually not the target customer that you need to have. Like, so you and I, we, we joke about like this stuff cause we've, we've been inside it. I've helped build sure. IVR systems. I've, you know, I still remember Meridian mail mailbox number. Sure, you know, like I yeah. know the voice it's burned <laughs> into my mind. Like yeah. it, I know her voice. You know, if I ever met that person in real life, I'd be like, you're the Meridian mailbox mailbox <laughs> number lady, you know? Sure. And, and we've, we we have to build these systems and think like systems but the the people that are really affected by this are the people that are just calling to talk to a human to get a question answered or they're getting a call now an outbound call and they they want to be engaged and they want to be able to have a a path to somebody 
not to have an outbound call. Can you imagine this, right? An outbound call and then someone responds back with, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't like, you would end up having somebody who's like, look, you called me. Yeah. And then they'd be screaming like Samuel L. Jackson, English mother effort, do you speak? Yeah. <laughs> like he's yelling yeah, yeah, yeah. into the phone. Terrible experience, right? So absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so your, um, your stuff you're uh, doing is wild. That was, uh, what's her name? Oh, Pat Fleet. She was the, uh, the one who did most of the voices for AT&T back then that we all knew when you would call, you know, the number you have called is and that kind of thing. Yeah. And she worked with, uh, was it Susan Bennett? And I forgot the third name. I, I, I know a lot of telecom uh, nerdness, but well, I say the one thing I almost want you to get you to say is because you have such a fantastic voice. I, I almost wanted to see you say like high and ball three, high and wide, just a bit outside. You've got a perfect like announcer voice. <laughs> you know, what? I, I had a, a very, very short lived radio show in, in the 90s uh, and we were taken off immediately because nobody wanted to hear what we talked about because um, it was just me and my friend and we were just BSing. But I I've, I've appreciate the compliment. I've, I've heard it a lot. Um, and I do get told I'm animated, which is when I do the voices for the AI. Uh, so in our very beginning, when we had our first recordings and we were kind of showed off and Jimmy and I said, listen, we've gone the organic route in business before. This is not where our technology is too strong. Well, let's get some money behind us and really push this. We have we have a big, uh, you know, like any business, you want to be big, you need some resources behind you. Right. right yeah, yeah. So as we were going out there trying to find investors and we would uh, show recordings, um, we, we had people not calling us back. I'm like. I thought that was pretty good. And what we found out was a lot of people thought it was fraud. Oh, that's not an AI. You're just talking to somebody and you recorded it, right? So I actually <laughs> made our first AI is me talking to me to remove that doubt. But I'm very animated when I talk and can be. And so a lot of people just laughed at it because the AI took on my personality, like, okay, and things of that <laughs> sort, you know, so it went a little extreme, but it was still kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. But I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Yeah. When you when you go that route, and that's an interesting thing, right? Like the bootstrapping and revenue funded and that decision to go the next phase of growth, especially because you've got a strong amount of technology investment you've got to make. Uh, what was the what was the sort of driver that said, we're ready and we need this? Yeah, there was there was a couple. Number one, again, it took us about a good year. Uh, to get past the latency issues. It was just too slow. Um, and, and of course, we were trying to do things like where you cache the recordings or cache the voices. And you know, you go through all these tests. And um, actually, our first one that we tried to put into production with a friendly client where we just wanted to test, um, Jimmy said, okay, listen, this works great, but it's got to cache the calls. So your opening statement to an individual has to be at least seven seconds long so we can load all the data. So I'll never forget. It's like, hey, my name is Brian uh, calling with XYZ. So, um, uh, so, uh, so how are you doing today? You know, and like we actually put the us and whatever. So actually uh, <laughs> another guy who worked with us did, did, did the recording, did a great job and, and just vamped. And so the funny thing is that initial thing of saying, um, uh, so, so how are you doing today? That's a human thing. You'll never hear an AI really do that. Yeah. And so in our AI, because we had things like, uh, so how are you doing today? To be more personable, to be more human was why we had an issue in the beginning because they said, well, why is the AI doing that? <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. But once we had that first client who started seeing results, started getting the calls in, that's when we said, okay, to go from A to B, it's going to cost a lot more than we thought. And unfortunately, AI processing all is still not uh, cheap. You know, any engineers or developers you need that have that skill set. And remember, when you're in a brand new industry and AI really is brand new, 
you're not going to find people with 10 years of experience in AI. You're right. not going to find people with five years experience. So you got to really kind of break it down to the piece. Hey, we need a, a React guy here. We need some .NET people there, uh, Cosmos people, whatever it is. And so we had to break it down. Well, all those people cost a lot. So in the beginning, Jimmy and I have been very blessed that we had enough friends and family to actually work with us, knowing that, hey, we're a startup that's may crash and burn. You may never get paid, but if so, here's some stock. But we got past that where people are like, well, this is great, Brian, but you know, I still have electricity to pay, right? I still need some money coming in. So that's when we said, let's go ahead and raise that first million dollars. Let's get out of the garage into an office. Let's yeah. raise another five million. Let's get the product done. Let's get into revenue by this first quarter. And we are, we're, you know, we're going into revenue you know, this first quarter, which is great. But now our, our next thought as a company is it's a lot quicker to buy revenue than generate it. Remember, not everybody knows conversational AI for call centers exists. So it's not a lot of search results for it. You know, so there's a lot of educational sales, which traditionally cost more. So what we're doing is we've been identifying targets and, and trying to buy complementary technologies to make our product better and get to pieces quicker and also add revenue because they also have a customer base that we could sell into. So it's been an exciting time, but I, I, our, our next raise is definitely more about acquisitions than, than implementation just to get that uh, revenue quicker to get our valuation higher. But the initial one was just like, we need a few good people and they're, they're not going to work for, for shares anymore. They have some uh, bills they need to pay. And I'm yeah, really glad yeah. we've done it. We've got such an amazing team. We've been, again, so blessed. Uh, I, I can't explain it. You know, luck, whatever you want to call it, that we've been able to find the people we have uh, to work with us and take a risk as a startup. And I think it's starting to pay off for a lot of people, though. And it, it is a fun business, too. I think that's what makes it interesting is a lot of developers take a job and, oh, I built a database and, you know, there's really nothing you could show friends and family, right? With our product, right. every time somebody does something, it's like, hey, look, there's Brian doing another call or, hey, I'm Brian speaking over here and I'll do a live call and things of that sort. And by the way, you know, that's the scariest thing when you do live calls in front of like a thousand people or 200 people. And, you know, those technology gremlins love to come out of the, the woodwork. <laughs> We've been very, that's very right. good on that too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's always the scariest moments for me. But, you know, the, the technology is so strong and the people that we have working with us, because, again, we were able to raise that money to get some very good engineers in, on here. And now they have a product that they could see and touch and show off. I think that's what gives them the excitement about working with us too. Yeah, this is the real, it's like the the leap of faith is two-sided in the startup ecosystem that people don't realize is that number one, as an engineer coming on board to a company that especially is pre-revenue, there's a real challenge of like, is this the right place I need to be? Everybody's got kind of a, there's a lot of good ideas out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ideas. Then there's yeah. a subset of those that are good ideas. Then there's yeah. a subset of those that are good ideas that have revenue opportunity and potential close at hand. So like it, the field, like any marketing funnel narrows, but then as a founder, you also have a leap of faith of your making an idea that you can bring to market, that you know you have a path to revenue, you know you have a path to growth that when you bring somebody on board, it's this beautiful relationship. Mm -hmm. Those like early employees where you learn so much from each other and it truly is like a family, which I know gets overused. And in fact, people get sometimes really angry when you say like, if your you know, company says that it's like a family, it's because they're gonna abuse your hours <laughs> of your week. You're like, like you, that could happen maybe, but yeah. I, I found quite the opposite. Like I started with a startup and I was like employee 200. So that was a big family already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we grew and grew. And I saw that culture maintain 
with growth. And it's challenging to maintain that culture, but that two-sided faith continued so much through it, which was a beautiful thing. Well, we took some chances in the beginning. Um, you know, again, I, I always use the word team more than family because I always want that in, in the concept, but 100%, yeah. you know. Uh, but some of the things that we did in the beginning, which was, you know, looking back now, I guess was a little gutsy, but, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020. But one of the things I'm glad we did from day one, as soon as we started hiring people and bringing them on full time, saying your vacation time is unlimited. If you feel you need to take off two weeks or four weeks or whatever time you need to take off, I'm not going to give you two weeks of vacation pay. Take as much time you need. Keep in mind we're a startup. There's deliverables. As long as right. you meet them, do your job. So we took a little bit of chance to give people to make sure that they understand that, you know, yeah, this is a company, but I know your family at home is important also. So if you need to take off that week or two, I want to encourage it. And if the company's got to redo things around that, we'll do it. And a couple of our investors in the beginning are like, are you sure about this? And we're like, I know it's a startup, right? It's a little, it's a scary, scary thing to do. And then also, because again, we want to encourage to get good people. Um, you know, our cheapest employees, you know, the, the, the bottom line, we have nobody that's under $35,000 a year. And we could have gotten some people that were, were cheaper than that and probably saved a little money. But again, you know, for, for even like, you know, our base, you know, receptionist up, we want to make sure everybody that came to this company realized that we do care about your time. We do value your time. And the yeah. other hard thing we did, again, as a startup, a little gutsy, was we got everybody, and again, you're in Canada, you don't have this issue, but we got everybody insurance from day one. So we raised a little money. We had to find those investors who agreed with those values and not just the technology, because as we all know, it's that team, those people that make something happen. And if you know, you're know you having an issue with your AI or you want to de you know, develop something, we want to make sure that that person who takes your call as our customer has a great experience too. And how do you do that? You got to take care of your so yeah. we're very happy to say that every single employee that works for us, and I don't care what they do, has shares in our company. You know, so if we we're on track for a Nasdaq IPO uh, June of next year, and if we get bought beforehand, great, but whatever. But worst case scenario, by eighteen months or so from now on, these everybody's going to have a nice little payday ahead of them, right? So we wanted everybody to not only have a good working environment and 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 proper money and benefits today, but also have to have a future just like Jimmy and I are going to have. When it comes to road mapping and execution i'm curious especially because of the complexity of what you're building when you look back across roadmaps that were 18 month roadmaps how, how well have you been able to stay on top of it and what are the what are some of the biggest sort of things that you you slipped but for the right reason uh, we basically had to redo our VoIP switch. Um, so uh, before we had Omer working with us, we had another gentleman who did a great job. But again, remember, we were a startup. We didn't have cash. So this was like Jimmy and I out of our own pockets paying this subcontractor here or, hey, I owe you one kind of things. And our initial switch did get us a proof of concept. It did get us our initial funding. And then Jimmy knows me pretty well. And I've the last couple of companies we worked with, I've outsold production. I know you're shocked, Eric, to hear that I'm a sales guy, but I'm a sales guy. <laughs> so he said, hey, listen, with this switch, we're not going to be able to grow that quick. We're not going to get that many businesses. We're going to have to have a whole bunch of clusters, and this is not going to work. I think we need to start over because, again, it's such a new technology. What do you need to build and how to build it? You don't know. Going back to my early analogy, you have a house built, you think you know everything, and then once you're in, you're like, Man, now that I built it, I wish I could have done this differently or that differently. Well, this was brand new technology. There was no resource to say you should build it X, Y, Z. Nobody said the foundation should be six inches deep or anything of that sort. So after building it and realizing the latencies that was happening on the VoIP side and getting the privilege of working with Omer to, to join our team, we had to redo that. That 
that threw our time frame off by three months. Yeah. Um, there's a rule of thumb. They say when you do a technology company, it usually takes three times as long and costs three times as much. The good thing is we came about a million dollars under budget. But it took us about an extra five months to get into to commercialization. But now we have something I can scale. Before, if you would have said, hey, Brian, I have 50 DCs. I need to go to 500. You'd have to give me three days notice. Yeah. Now it's literally an hour or two. You know, and again, having that, so I'm glad we did that. We took the steps back to take the steps forward. Um, and now that we have the DISA running, actually this week we released a 2.0 product, which is just so amazingly faster. And we already have the 3.0. But that was our biggest, biggest change that we had to do was that VoIP piece. And it was just um, so underestimated by us, I guess, you know, hindsight being 2020. We were so concentrated on the brain and, and to get that work. And when we got it done, we were like, yeah. And then I'm like, cool, you know, plug it into Twilio. And it's like, no. Like plug this in, plug that in, or let's make some money, you know. So um, we had to take that dag. It definitely cost us a little more, but again, we still came out under budget. Took us a little more, and now the product is just so enterprise ready that we can scale up. Uh, we also redid another piece of the architecture: how we do the administration of the product. So before we had, a, let's say, in a typical CRM or most software, you have like say a god level, and then kind of filters down to your managers and agents. Yeah, yeah. We had a similar similar architecture. But what Jimmy realizes, hey, what if there's an, a hiccup in the admin level? It could affect each client. Um, so not to talk nerdy geeky, but just conceptually, so we have each client in their own basic silo. Even our administration piece of it is a separate silo. So if any of these silos were to crash or have a problem, the rest of the machine keeps going. So we could literally have the administrator disappear, and each client would be up and running. So that took some re-architecture on the Azure cloud. And, and Jimmy and those guys, they could talk much more detail than I can. But the fact that, and we've actually tested it, we've done over a billion phone calls of the simulator um, and we've stress tested the heck out of it. And the thing is just cruising. The other thing about redoing it and moving from one cloud to another, we wound up on the Azure cloud through testing, um, our costs came down dramatically. So now our margins are where you would expect to be in, in a SaaS model. Uh, and more importantly, we could scale so much quicker. We don't have to order a lot more processors and, and memory. So right. we could scale without any forklift upgrades. To use an old uh, IBM term there. There you go. Yeah. Well, and, uh, the one thing is the there's a lot of technology required in order to make technology be more human, right? And and the ability for AI, like now at least the accessibility of these technologies being on demand, seeing the you know sort of that that commoditization of the backends, huge boon for you. Because those providers are never going to do what you're doing. They just can't. It's just it's it's too too close to the true customer value. They're in the infrastructure game. They're in the services game. So this is a a big win because ultimately Azure is going to love you. Your customers are going to love you. You're in a two sided marketplace on both sides, and it gives you as you grow the opportunity to you know get wins with uh, the provider side, and then you know. Is that the economy of scale starts to happen, and and ultimately, then the customer, the true winner of all this, is that end customer, the end end, like all the way to the other person yeah. that's getting yeah. that outbound call from that yeah. company that's using you that they don't have to know you've got as your digital twin that's making you know something happen, yeah, and so many layers down the line they don't need to know that. But every layer has won because of advancements of technology that, in the end, made the human experience better. 100%. And the other exciting thing on our roadmap is even though we, we focused on voice today, you could, I'm sure you imagine, oh, well, I could also get a text, right? I could also do right. this through a chat or messenger, WhatsApp, et cetera. 
Well, those conversations that you have over text and the conversation you have over voice are different. An email you get is usually not how you would speak to somebody when you would get an email. So right. how we converse different going over different mediums is also a challenge because, you know, if you got a text that sounded exactly how I was speaking to you, it would look weird and vice versa. So the other exciting thing about our technology as we're going on the channel is how to have the conversation adapt based on that, that medium you're on. So again, to make that customer experience better. And by the way, Eric, I may call you and you're like, I don't want to talk, but can you give me a quote over text? Well, why not? Yeah, yeah. Well, how come I can't, you know, and maybe there's some sensitive information you wouldn't want to do, but I can't tell you how many people are like, Hey, let me just text you my credit card information. I would never do that, you know, but an end user might. So the technology again, still in its infancy, still such a long way to go, but where it is today and how it could be impactful today, just to us, is such an exciting thing. It really, really is. It's uh, it is an exciting time to be in this world and being yeah. able to do what we do i'm i feel blessed uh, because of well, the opportunities we've got and, and excited by the ability to create those opportunities for others this is uh and you guys are doing great stuff like i said your your energy is is infectious in the greatest way uh because it it will come through in product it will come through in telling your story and and i really want to thank you for taking the time to share your story here for folks that do want to find more which they should because this is a really wicked cool as my boston friends would say wicked cool yeah. uh, you know, product yeah uh, so it's for cody i will have links uh, down below and brian if they want to get in touch with you what's the best way to do that uh brian at vocodia and that's brian with an i at vocodia.com that's perfect. And yeah. Uh, yeah, now the one thing I remember is like every once in a while you'd get these little things there'd be like a little Easter egg that would come up. I, I often think about doing this with like a voice AI because you get those ones, it was like the old IVRs and some would say like phone this number and it would show up on yeah. like Reddit or somewhere. And it's like, you know, for English, press one for this, whatever, for to hear the sound of a duck, press nine. Aflac. You know? I remember that. I used to love the Aflac one. I used to, it pres we used to call in just to hear the duck or uh, one <laughs> of the vodka companies had uh, uh, Smirnoff. Remember they had Yakov Smirnoff. You could call in and get a joke every day. Yeah. We, we actually have uh, on the new website coming out, there's a, there's a couple of cool little fun things on there. Nice, that we will talk nice. about we like for people to find yeah absolutely yeah uh that is the the fun part about mixing technology and and human experience so and you folks yeah. you're doing a great job so congratulations on so far success and and i wish you continued uh, success as you grow thank you so much appreciate you having me